Welcome or welcome back to Daddy Oxcord. This is your host, Deja Guillermo. I know I've been away, no Brent Fayez. I've been traveling, I've been visiting family, but I'm so happy to be back. I've had so many ideas already lined up, I just haven't had the time to sit down and record. So I'm happy, I'm happy to be doing it again. I know it's been a few weeks. I am currently sitting beside an open window. I'm back in New York, so if you hear a bus driving, a little honk honk, a little toot toot, understand that my mic picks up on everything, but I don't mind the ambient noise and I really wanted a nice little breeze. So without further ado, let's get into it. This episode means a lot to me. This episode is a mini culmination of conversations I've had with very important women in my life. These are friends, family, teachers, and for those of you who don't know, I ride hard for women. What does this mean? It means I'm a major advocate for our protection, our safety, our well-being, and our livelihood. And I think a lot about the societal implications of being a woman on the daily and and the culture that fosters much of our suffering. I have relatives, mostly male I should add, who roll their eyes at this notion. They don't understand the severity. They think women bring on their own suffering. They completely disregard that they are at the helm of it, whether it's on a micro scale or on a macro scale, often because they don't want to admit any kind of involvement. Unfortunately, whether they choose to believe it or not, one out of every six American women has been a victim of an attempted or completed rape in her lifetime, according to the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, otherwise known as RAIN, and globally of the 24.9 million victims of human trafficking, 99% of them are women, according to the International Labor Organization. So yes, I will ride for women until I am blue in the face, and I will not shut my mouth when I think there's something to be addressed, whether it's in my daily life or in the media, especially when I think it's contributing to a thriving patriarchal culture. I've always wanted to do an episode like this one, but it became of utmost importance to me after I observed audiences' reception of Barbie. Now, this is not a review of Barbie. I'm not going to share my thoughts on the movie. That's not what this is. Instead, I'm touching on the myriad emotions that the movie elicited from the women in its audience. I haven't heard so many women talking about womanhood and girlhood as much as I have recently. And admittedly, that's a little heartbreaking for me because it speaks to how little so many women actually converse with one another about being a girl and being a woman, at least beyond a superficial level. And I'm not just talking about the bad parts. I'm talking about the beauty, the joy, the magic. It's simply not talked about enough. And this is all tied into the patriarchy, of course. But today I wanted to talk specifically about male validation, how it manifests in our lives, the significance of combating it, and the importance of sisterhood in preserving the health and the well-being of women through and through. So I'm going to be telling a few anecdotes, getting a little personal. If you identify with any of this, trust that I'm not shaming no one because I understand. I have these experiences. Instead, my goal is to open our eyes to the ways we've been complicit in preventing or even destroying sisterhood. I want to make us aware of how we fall into traps of seeking male validation. It's not always bad that is seeking male validation, and I'll talk about when it's not, but it's important to talk about what drives it. I'm going to start with a couple stories from high school because I think this is when I started realizing that something was different for girls. I remember we had a common area where we would all get together, just talk about life, talk about our weekends, parties, hookups, etc., 
And in one of our conversations, one of the girls talked about how she gave somebody a blowjob. And naturally, the question was, well, did you get anything back? How was it for you? Her answer was no, but when she hooks up with guys, she usually just blows them, maybe gives them some kisses, and that's about the extent of it. And so when probed about why this was the case, she said, well, they like it, so it's fine, and I think it's fine giving it to them, so I don't need anything in return. Plus, they never initiate, so... And it kind of left us all thinking, maybe not all of us, I know me and my friends kind of looked at each other like, wait a minute, something's off here. And it was also the fact that when questioned, she kind of pushed back like, no, 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 but I just like doing it, so it's fine. Kind of saying, well, at least I'm slightly enjoying it, and at least he's making himself happy, so that's fine. Another story, there was a girl who said that she used to hate hooking up with her boyfriend because she would consistently get UTIs. Why? According to her, he would finger her urethra and she didn't want to disappoint him or make him uncomfortable, so she didn't say anything. And she evidently didn't feel safe or comfortable communicating that she was not being pleasured. So that was another moment where I was like, wait a minute, what are we really doing here? And I can do a whole separate episode about sex and pleasure for women, and I will. But what I'm hoping to get at with these stories is how women who are attracted to men, and even women who are not attracted to men, I'll get into that later, try to appease men and win their approval. They end up silencing their desires with the hopes of not disappointing them. I'll never forget when my high school brought in a sex educator. I wish I could remember her name. I do not for the life of me. But she wasn't just talking about condoms and other contraceptives. There was a distinct moment when she said to everybody in the room, this was a room full of women, you're entitled to your pleasure. You don't have to do anything just because they want you to. You're entitled to ask for pleasure in return. And she had the entire room of high school girls speechless. I think a large part of this is that we are brought up to carry the belief that we have to take care of Ben's needs and or that we are objects. We should feel oh so worthy to be desired, lucky if we turn their eyes, lucky if we're catcalled on the street. And a lot of us, myself included, internalize that because at the heart of it, we deserve love, romance. We deserve to be desired beyond our appearances and our bodies. Unfortunately, we've been made to believe that men's sexual gratification will award us love, romance, and the relationships and interactions that we desire as long as we provide a snippet of that. And this is reinforced in the media as well. Look at the movies where women are constantly objectified. They're not given the time of day unless they're attractive. Look at The Idol. I only watched episode one and I tapped out. Please watch Jordan Teresa's YouTube video. It's titled The Idol, Misogyny Disguised as Art. Please watch it. Let me know your thoughts. Then we have Michael Bay's Transformers, which I used to love to watch but can't stomach parts of now. If you read the script, if you listen to the dialogue, if you close your eyes while the movie is playing and not look at the screen, Megan Fox's character is intelligent, she's knowledgeable about cars, and then you see that scene with her and Shia LaBeouf where she lifts the hood of the car to inspect it and the camera is glued to her midriff, her breasts, her hair blowing in the wind. She's going off about the carburetor and her experience with cars, but Shia LaBeouf is over here drooling. And she's desired in this movie. It's supposed to, I guess, be comedic, but what does it say about us and what we're told we need to be, whether that's explicitly being told or inexplicitly being told? We are taught, maybe even force-fed, not only through the media, but by each other, that we need to be hot before we are taken seriously, if taken seriously at all. We have to honor the male gaze. When we dress, we need to flatter parts of our body without begging for attention. We need to look good, but not too good. And on a deeper level, there's plastic surgery. 
Now, I don't shame women for plastic surgery. I shame whatever is making them feel like they aren't inherently worthy. And if I'm being completely honest, I don't buy the whole, it's for me, it's for me, I'm doing it for me argument because you cannot deny that the industry thrives on insecurity. It thrives from somebody feeling like they are not enough. People get their butts and their boobs done. They get facial procedures because we're terrified of aging. We're terrified of looking to this or that because youth is desired. Look at actors who are shamed for having wrinkles. They, they are told that they've let themselves go. Again, I'm not shaming these people for believing these things about themselves because this is what they're being taught. I shame these companies, these industries. I remember even a slogan, if you can squeeze it, you can freeze it. Like, what are we really doing? That's a whole other conversation altogether. But again, it speaks to how we are told we need to behave. For who? Not for us. I'll tell you that much. For my girls, let me tell you one thing. Do not be impressed by being called beautiful or sexy or hot. If they can't tell you anything else that they like about you besides your physical appearance, they're simply not worth your time, especially if you want a genuine connection because the assumption should be if they are romantically pursuing you, it's already a given that they find you attractive. What else is there that they are interested in? What else are you to them besides a hot body? And don't get me wrong, I loved my romance movies. Like, I ate them up. I could tell you every single movie that I've seen. I loved it. I loved when the man finally said, you're so beautiful. You're the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. Like, oh my gosh, wow. But then I'm like, all right, what else? <laughs> Give me more. Okay, there's mad many beautiful girls. What makes me different? What makes me special? You might also say, no, Deja, what if I just want a casual hookup on these apps? Like, all you gotta do is be attracted to each other. I don't need nothing else. That's when I say, ayatu, do what you gotta do. But if you find yourself consistently unfulfilled, you are consistently reinforcing that you are just this thing just this object especially if you know you're doing your little rendezvous and you're not getting your nut so it's just the act of being desired that you crave and once again like i said you're in this like self-fulfilling prophecy where it's well i want to get desired let me act like an object so i can get desired let me get do you know what i'm saying it's a cycle and there's nothing wrong with being desired but there's levels to this i'll touch on that later Let's switch gears into sisterhood. I define sisterhood as authentic, fulfilling, uplifting relationships with other women. Sisterhood is replenishing, it's revitalizing, it is energizing. It is a space where we are able to voice comfortably the things that we love without being made fun of. Think of how many women are humiliated for just liking things. Sisterhood is a safe space where you aren't concerned with impressing anybody. It's a platonic space. You are honoring yourself. You are finding connections with other women. We don't realize how often we destroy the foundations of sisterhood. A big way that we do this lies in how we talk about each other's bodies. I've observed this within my family. We could be watching a show and there'll be people talking about, her boobs are small. She got no ass. Oh my gosh, she's ugly. Oh my gosh, she's too skinny. Yo, she's so thick, too thick. Or even conversations with relatives. Yo, so-and-so gained weight. So-and-so lost weight. Do you see this? Do you see that? When we do this, we are essentially looking at women as indices, measures of how well they fit into the patriarchy and its standards. We are seeing how women size up according to men's sexual desires. Do you realize how harmful that is? 
our choice to belittle people according to the very thing that oppresses us. I ask us to consider how we talk about other women's appearances and how we talk to ourselves about our own appearances. Another thing is I don't care if a girl has wronged you. I hate when people resort to bashing a woman's physical appearance when it really has nothing to do with whatever issue is at hand. To me, that's the manifestation of insecurity, childishness, and spitefulness. And if you wouldn't want it done to you, golden rule, don't do it to others. With that, I say, watch how the people around you speak about women's appearances. If you're friends with men who make a habit of doing this, I ask you to evaluate that as well. I want you to be interested in why that happens and the company that you keep with them. And never think, especially if you're a woman, that you're an exception to their criticisms. I once heard that a lot of men can only be friends with women they are physically attracted to. Now, I'm not a man, I cannot speak to this, but if you do hear this, I want you to think about why, and I want you to evaluate that relationship. Speaking of men, one thing's first before, oh, you're just a man-hater. I actually love a lot of men. I adore a lot of men. That is not to say that they're without critique. That is not to say that we can't have conversations about how they're possibly participating in the patriarchy. Also, speaking of men, I personally detest when friendships between girls are broken up or prevented in any way by a man. I have seen this in budding friendships and in long-lasting friendships. I think about how women size each other up when they're both interested in the same guy. I've done this before. But I also see how they put each other down in their own head or even in gossip to make themselves seem more good for the guy. I don't know. But there's so much value placed on being chosen, being the chosen one, that everything else is disregarded. I'll give examples. Imagine a guy who truly believes women are just beneath him. He talks about women solely as sexual objects, how attractive they are, how well they serve him and what he wants. Imagine now two girls who are friends with one another and they want this man. They both want some kind of romance and he decides he's pursuing one of them. They get into a relationship, this guy and one of the girls, and he starts revealing his true colors. He might call other women sluts, he might put other women down, he might start putting down the other girl who wanted him. There are girls who believe with all of their hearts that they are the exception to his criticism because they got chosen. They're special because he wants her. Forget all the other women, forget how he talks about them and treats them. He's not going to do that to me, so it don't matter. They're the problem. It is this kind of behavior that destroys women and their friendships with each other. They can no longer advocate for themselves or for others because they have made themselves believe that they have won. They begin to isolate themselves from other women. Little do they know, they themselves are not the exception. If something were to go wrong in that relationship, you are just as likely to be called every name in the book. Do not be the girl that calls other women dirty or hoes. Do not be the woman to put other women down, especially if your man or a guy that you're interested in is the problem. Don't let a man get in between you and your sisters. This type of behavior reinforces that male's bad behavior is okay, that women should be shamed if they don't fit whatever mold he wants them to fit. You become complacent in how he treats other women. And don't be a pick-me, putting other women down or agreeing with misogynistic comments to get a man's validation. Trust me, I understand that we are made to believe that male validation is the end-all be-all. I've had friends who are lesbians, more than one, even admit that they feel a need to be attractive for men, even if they are not at all interested in them. There's a pressure to conform to that. Now, for my shorties who do like men, if you like a guy, 
and you want some kind of romance to blossom with him, you want some steamy sex, it makes sense why you would want their validation. You want to know that he feels similar things. This is human. We should want to be desired by people that we desire, but we are also more than sexual beings. So are we getting what we really want when we attempt to achieve male validation in our day-to-day lives? This goes beyond how we dress. It also speaks to how we talk, what we choose to share. Are we afraid of coming across a certain way to certain men? Are we afraid of being too opinionated or too loud or turning somebody off? We have to start asking ourselves, how am I performing, if at all, and who am I performing for? Are they doing anything for me? If so, what? If not, why am I putting any energy into this person? Am I wanted for more than my appearance? How much am I disregarding his behavior with hopes that he'll be whoever I want him to be, whoever I dream him up to be? Now, it is healthy to be sexually desired. Sex is human. When I want to be sexually desired by my man, I know it's because I will also receive prolonged affection outside of sex. I know we are both more than our bodies. And these are all topics that we should be discussing all the time with our chosen sisters. How am I holding myself and you accountable for how we uplift each other as women? We have to be comfortable talking about how we hurt ourselves and others, especially against the backdrop of the male gaze, against the backdrop of male validation and patriarchy as a whole. We should be cherishing the time that we have with each other. We should try to be objective with how we talk about conflict and take ownership over our wrongdoings. Sisterhood teaches us that we might not choose every woman who comes across us to be our sisters, but we must protect each other as much as we can. All of the structures that are in place to keep us down cannot flourish when we act on this. As I mentioned earlier, all of the things that I am sharing with you in this episode is born out of hours and hours of contemplation, out of observation, out of my psych major ass, and out of my conversations with people I will forever cherish, women I will forever cherish. Do not be ashamed if you feel like, oh damn, I do do that, because I've been there. I have unlearned so many things and I think even watching recently, I've been watching Love Island with my mom and my cousin and I feel like I'm tapping into a little bit of the superficial attraction and how it makes us think that we're not enough. The power we have to combat these feelings are found within each other and I'm gonna say that till the day I die. I've spent a lot of this episode saying we and referring to women. I hope whatever you identify as, you are able to align yourself with the idea that sisterhood is important and maintaining connections is important. And I made this episode truly for everybody because even men should be able to listen to this and understand and pull from it. I'm going to end the episode here, but as always, if you want to talk further about any of this, please reach out to me. If you agree or disagree, ask yourself why. What's at stake for you? I'd love to hear your thoughts and I'd love to continue this conversation. Thank you again very, very much for listening. I appreciate y'all deeply and I'll talk to you soon.